welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, church. How are y'all doing this morning? I'm glad that y'all are here this morning. And uh, just as Randy said, welcome to Connection Church Dublin, where we truly exist to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything we do here hinges on what King Jesus has already done on the cross. So whether if it's your first time with us or you've been coming for a while or whether if you're watching online, we just want to welcome you and let you know that uh, we love you and we are thankful that you are here um, this morning. And uh, in case you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Matthew Ushery, and uh, you know this is my first time doing this, so I'll be honest with you, a little nervous, not really sure how this is going to go. Um, but with that being said, um, you know I, I do believe that that Buck first came to me and asked would I like to speak, and uh, you know I said, well, it'll be the the Fourth of July weekend. And I said, well, there won't be that that many people out there, um, so that'll be good. Uh, but what I didn't realize uh, was that. Um, our staff at this church, man, they pay attention to detail. And uh, I didn't realize that when they asked me to speak that they were, you know, realizing that there was probably nobody more appropriate to give a 4th of July message um, than a dude with a mullet talking about Jesus and America. Okay? I mean, that right there is just the the essence of of freedom. But no, in all seriousness, you know, um, Christmas and Easter beyond that one of the coolest holidays that we celebrate is the 4th of July right and it don't matter where you come from what you do what your differences may be we can put those aside at this time of the year because we are all citizens of this United States and man without the without the grace of God and the brave men and women who served and the brave men and women who are serving currently right now you know what we're doing here this morning wouldn't even be possible you know so we just would thank God and, and for those people that serve man just let's give a clap of praise for that, right? And so with that being said, we'll go ahead and get into the Word. So this morning we're going to be looking at um, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. And just while y'all are finding that in your Bible, I kind of wanted to share a little bit of a, of a story of, of my wife and I. When we go on vacation, we always go around New Year's Eve, and we like to go down to the beach. We try to go somewhere in South Florida where it's pretty warm. And so this past New Year's Eve, me and my wife were down there, and uh, she was pregnant at the time. And uh, I, she had never been down to the Keys before, so I told her, hey, let's go down to the Keys. Well, the, the thing about the Keys is it's a beautiful place, but sometimes you kind of got to be on a boat to truly experience experience um, all the things that the Keys has to offer. So for, unfortunately for me and my wife, we just went to the Keys, uh, just went down there on a kind of on a whim, and uh, in my wife's wife's words, the beaches at the Keys are much similar to the um, to the beaches at Lake St. Clair. You kind of got the, the sand, and you kind of just got the flat water, right? There ain't a whole lot going on there. Um, so with me being the, the husband that I am, and probably the, the, the pride of a man that I am, I said, well, don't worry about this. We're going to find another hotel room. We'll take care of that real quick. So without even thinking about this and without talking to my wife, I went down to the lobby. I canceled those rooms and I came back and I told her, I said, hey, pack your bags. We're going to go find us a new room. She said, you canceled the rooms and we don't have nothing else booked. I said, nope. I said, we don't, but that's all right. Pack your bags and come on and go with me. And uh, she kind of froze a little bit. And at that moment, she was kind of overwhelmed with a little bit of anxiety. And matter of fact, her exact words were, Um, I I can't even talk to you right now. I can't think because I have so much anxiety. And so she sat down on that bed and she just stopped. 
And uh, I said, well, that, that's fine. There again, I'm trying to let my gentleness be evident. And so as the, as the man, I tried to try to take care of that situation. But then it kind of began to dawn on me that, wow, we're in South Florida. It's New Year's Eve. There's a lot of probably a lot of people visiting down here. And uh, we just canceled the only hotel rooms we got. And we probably don't have nothing else to go to. And so then that anxiety kind of be able to, began to sink in on me. And I say all that to say that, man, anxiety sometimes can leave you speechless. And it can leave you overpaying for a hotel room on, on New Year's Eve day, you know. Um, and so that's what we're going to be looking at today in this passage. And uh, so let's dive in and read, uh, starting in Philippians uh, verse 4. Um, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whenever you have learned, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Um, Father God, we love you, God, and we praise you. We just thank you for the breath in our lungs this morning. I thank you, God, for bringing us all here this morning, God, and we thank you for your word. I just pray that I may hide behind the cross, God. Your spirit may move in this place, God, and there's, if there's someone in here this morning that doesn't know you or has not began a relationship with you, God, I just pray that they hear these words clearly this morning, God. We thank you for what you do, and we thank you for what you have done, God, and we just thank you, ask you to bless this time with us this morning, God, and in your name we pray and ask. Amen. Okay, so first we know we want to look at the context of what's going on. Here and so you know the apostle Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and he's basically telling these people to don't be anxious about anything, but trust in our God that created all things and be confident in, in what He has done. Right, and so you kind of got to understand who Paul is, right? So Paul was a was a missionary who began several churches, and uh, he was he was going out and telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Well, however, Paul was arrested and Paul was stuck in in Roman prison, and so you kind of got to understand that Paul was somebody that who would truly understand and know and be able to relate to um, what anxiety and worry uh, would look like. You see, Paul was stuck in prison while his people that he loved and these churches that he began were stuck on the outside facing persecution, facing division, and the only thing that Paul could do was to pray for them and to write these letters to them. You know, and so we see here that, that Paul knows what anxiety looks like, but in this passage, Paul is writing to his brothers and sisters that are facing that division and that persecution, and he's giving them practical steps to overcome their anxiety. And, and so we see in, this, in the passage today that the first step is that we can experience a secure heart and mind through prayer. If you're taking notes, the first point is we can experience a secure heart and mind through prayer. You see in verse 6 it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God. You see, anxious and worry are our biggest thief of our joy. Verse 6 is simply telling us to do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. You see, the more you worry, and the less you're probably going to pray. And the more you pray, the less that you worry. 
You see, Paul tells us in this passage to present your anxious, pr- pr- present your anxiousness and your and your worry to God in three different ways. And he first starts off by saying, by prayer. You see, prayer is simply just relational com- conversation with God. It's simply talking to Jesus. And we know that when we talk to God and when we pray to God, we are worshiping him through our prayer, and we are showing God that we love him by communing with him and meeting with him in prayer. And secondly, Paul says prayer and petition. Now, some versions say supplication, but simply put, petition or supplication is just asking God uh, to do something. It's sharing with God what your problems may be or what you might be facing. And then the third thing Paul says is with thanksgiving. You know, um, first off, we have so much to be thankful for that we can even go to a God because of what Jesus Christ did, that we can go to God and come to him and invite him to, in, into our specific problem of what we might be facing. You know, another thing that we can be thanking God for is what he's already done and what he's going to do. You know, there's so many times that we go to God and we ask God to answer our prayers, and he does, and yet we move on and we forget those things. God is faithful. You know, prayer is a good indicator of humility and the need for God. Let's say that again. Prayer is a good indicator of humility and the need for God. And we often see this in Jesus' life, right? When we think about what Jesus did is he would sometimes wake up early in the morning and he would go into solitude. He would go to the top of the mountain early in the morning before the sun even rose. And he would spend time praying to God. And even when he was in crowds, he would often withdraw for those crowds to get along with God. And just like Jesus did, if that's what our king did, then when we find ourselves worrying about a particular issue, our first response should be to get along with God and worship him. You see, too often times, we try to be in control of our own problems. And we use prayer as a last option when things are not going our way and we run to God. You see, we, pray, we are prone to pray about these big things, and these small things just continue to build up until they become bigger things. And you got to understand that talking to God is the first victory over worry. But it's easy to stand up on the stage and say that you should pray more. You should go to God and take, take your worries to God. And so with that being said, sometimes it's like, you know, even in my life, I don't even know what to pray for. Sometimes I might feel like my prayer is inadequate. And I wanted to remind you of what the, what the scripture says and just remind you three different things, what the Bible says about prayer. You see in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So that first reminder is, not only are we going to God in prayer, but the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, and he is interceding on our behalf. Secondly, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and I love this verse. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we got the Holy Spirit interceding on our our behalf. Secondly, we got Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God interceding for us on our behalf. He doesn't just intercede for us on our day of judgment when we're standing before God. Jesus is interceding for us every hour of every day. And thirdly, James chapter 5, verse 15 through 16, it says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You see, as we, as we go through prayer, as, as we go to God through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, going back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 tells us that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, God guards our hearts from wrong feelings, and he guards our minds from wrong thinking. And a secure heart and mind can only be found in Jesus Christ, and it starts with prayer. So moving on to the second point, we, we can experience a secure heart and mind through treasuring the word in our heart. Verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The English Standard Version of the Bible, when it says to think about such things, it says to meditate on things. You see, we must realize that our thoughts are real and they are powerful, even though they cannot be weighed, seen, or measured. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus said to sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. You see, we can discern false thoughts by meditating on the truth of God, his word. I'm going to say that again. We can discern false thoughts by meditating on the truth of God and his word. Another time Jesus spoke about this was John chapter 8, verse 44, and, and Jesus was, was speaking to the religious leaders, and he told them that you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. You see, if you go back and you look at that list that Paul gave us here, the things that we should think about, the things that we should meditate on, we see that everything that he lists out is the exact opposite of who Satan is. Another, another passage to look at is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter tells us to be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, it's just another passage that's telling us to be intentional about the things that we think about and the things that we meditate on. And when we think about a lion and when a lion attacks its prey, oftentimes we see that lion and he's, and he's crouching in the, in the weeds and in the bushes, and he's oftentimes looking for somebody that is, or looking for an animal that is often alone or not paying attention or something that's not just real vulnerable, right? And in that same mindset, in that same concept, that's the same way that Satan attacks us, right? When we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and what his word says, that is when we are most vulnerable to Satan's attacks. So I ask you, how do we guard our thoughts from Satan? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 through 6 tells us that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You see, God's word is the sword in this spiritual warfare that we face. Wrong thinking will lead to wrong feeling. Another verse that reminds us of guarding our, our thoughts is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, when you renew your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. <clears throat> I'd like to stop there and just, you know, as I was thinking about this, this part of the, the message and thinking about my thoughts, and I couldn't help but think about 
my wife that me and her have been married for a little over a year now and, and how we, we got a little four month old baby girl. She actually just turned four months today, little Goldie Grace. And, and as I was thinking about this stuff, I couldn't help but thinking about how my thoughts and my daughter and my wife, how they run so closely together. Like whatever, whatever I'm thinking is going to probably determine how I treat them or what I say to them or how good of a father and of a husband that I want to be to them. And the only thing that I could think of to really put this into, into perspective is an analogy that's called the thought tree. And, if, and if, if you think about it, it's just showing what our thoughts would do and how it impact others. And if you can just kind of vision, picture a tree, right? And it's got its root system and at the very bottom of that tree in those roots is where our thoughts live out. You see, the thoughts of our minds are like those roots and those thoughts, they take root and they begin to grow and one will believe that that thought is true. So our, our thoughts turn into our beliefs and then those beliefs will impact our feelings. Or well, however we feel about something, those feelings will be evident in someone's actions and then those actions will develop into our habits. You see, our habits become who we are. And the product of our habits is our behavior. And then the last part of that tree, when you get to all those steps, the last part of that tree is our behavior determines our legacy that is left after us. You see, the fruit that we produce for those around us can be good fruit or bad fruit. The legacy that we can leave behind can be burdensome or it can be light. And so we must there again remember that our, our thoughts are real and they are powerful. And the things that we think about and the things that we decide about today, they affect the legacy that comes after us. You know, going back to Philippians 4, verse 8, it tells us to think about whatever is pure. And I couldn't help but when I read that to think about Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. And the, and the psalmist asks, he says, how can a young man stay on the path of purity? And he answers that question by saying, by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, there again, it is by his word, God's word, that we are sanctified, that we are made pure. And Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, our spiritual bodies rely on the word of God, just as our fleshly bodies rely on bread to survive. We can't live without God's word. So we experience a secure heart and mind the treasure and the word in our heart. And the last point today, we experience a secure heart and mind through practicing what we have learned and received from Jesus Christ. You know, verse nine says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You got to understand is that living a pure life will result in peace. But on the other hand, living a life of sin, that sin will always result and unrest. You live a life of, of purity, it will result in peace. If you live a life in sin, it's going to cause unrest in your life. And Pastor Tony Morita said it like this, when one minimizes the holiness of God, he minimizes the sinfulness of sin. And this leads them to being unmoved by the glorious gospel of grace and the kindness of God that leads sinners to repentance. Tony Marita said the glorious gospel of grace, and I just want to be clear here that that gospel is just a Greek word for good news of what Jesus Christ did on the, on the cross for our sins. And you see, when we, when we turn from our sin, when we repent from our sin, and we, and we turn from that sin and we turn to God, that is when the God of peace and the peace of God will fill our hearts. And a verse that I couldn't, I couldn't find anything that really hit this, just drove the, the point home was Romans chapter 7. 
you know, starting in verse, in verse 21, it tells us that, uh, so, so I, find, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in, in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. You see, <clears throat> it's not by what we do that saves us, but it is what Christ Jesus has already done on the cross that saves us. And it brings us to a place of gratitude and thankfulness. It's realizing that I have nothing good, I have nothing wor worthy of bringing to God, but I can experience a secure heart and mind because Jesus said it is finished. You see, it's just truly the gospel message. It's understanding who God is in his holiness and his perfection, just like that song we sang earlier this morning, being in awe of who we get to come and talk to, who sent his son to die on the cross to save us, being in awe of the creator of the heavens and the earth. And then seeing, seeing myself for my sins and my transgressions, seeing myself for missing the mark, how, um, how I fell short, how I, I went away and did what I wanted to do, and knowing that I am undeserving of God's love and God's rich mercy and his grace, but I am deserving of wrath. But God, in his holiness and his great love and his rich mercy and his grace, sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we may be brought from death to life in Jesus Christ. And it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. <clears throat> you see, uh, another verse that basically sums that up is Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. And it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. <clears throat> see, when we see, receive that blood offering of Jesus Christ daily for our sins, we will desire to take what we have learned and received and put it into practice. Not for our selfish gain, but for the glory of God. And when you understand God's grace and you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot separate outward action from inward attitude. <clears throat> So in conclusion of that third point, we put into practice the love and the grace that we first received from Jesus Christ and the byproduct of experiencing God's love, his grace, and his rich mercy is a secure heart and mind, and we can rejoice in the Lord always. So just to wrap that up, you see here, in conclusion, one can ex experience a secure heart and mind through getting along with God and worshiping him. And it starts with prayer. Secondly, one can experience a secure heart and a secure mind by treasuring his word in our hearts. And lastly, we can, we can experience a secure heart and a secure mind by practicing what we have learned and received from Jesus Christ. And it tells us that the God of peace will be with you. So at this time, I want to invite the worship team back up. I'm done. <clears throat> but, you know, the best thing to, to think about that we talked about this morning is that all of these things that Paul told us about and how to overcome anxiety with, these are things that we don't have to compartmentalize just to a, a Sunday morning service. You see, this is something that we were created to do, on purpose to do, is to go to God in prayer and to read his word 
and to put into practice what Jesus did for us first. And you see, God loves us so much and he just truly longs for our communion with him. And so let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we just thank you for this time this morning that you've given us, God. God, I just thank you for your word, God, and I thank you for each person in this room, God. And I just pray that as we leave here this morning, God, that God, I just pray that we take your word that you've given us, God, and we apply it to our lives, God. I just pray that we dwell in your word, God. I pray you give us a desire to meet with you and commune with, with you, Father. And God, I just pray that, that you help us to remind, remind us of the, of, the, of the good news of Jesus Christ each and every day, God, about how you rescued us from our sins. You brought us from death to life, God. And it's by your grace that we were saved through faith, God. Nothing that we did, God, but because you loved us so much, you sent your son to die on the cross. And God, in that last verse, in verse 9, it says that the God of peace will be with you, God. You're saying that you will be with us, God. And for those people that are in this room today, I just want you to know that in order for the peace of God to be with you, you first must be at peace with God. You see, peace with God just describes the relationship that we enter into with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed as we pray to God right now, if there is someone here today that is unsure if they are at peace with God, but here in this moment they want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, just as you are, if you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want to begin a relationship with him right now. Will you lift your hand? Amen. And for the rest of us right now, Father God, I just pray that we take this time, God, to praise you, God, to worship you, to glorify you in all that we do. God, I just pray that as, as we are bodies, members of your body, God, I just pray that we take this time to get along with you, God, and worship and praise you, God, for who you are and what you have done and for your goodness and your mercy, God. We thank you for your word today, Father. We love you and we praise you and we pray and ask. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.